0: Amen. All right. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, I want to yeah, just make the most of this little moment I have with you. Um, so I love the name of your church, uh, Glasgow Grace. Um, I don't know how much you, you know about the word grace. Um, it's kind of this thing, especially where I'm from in the South, in, in America, we say, um, we say, like, when people think about grace, think about saying grace, which is just like saying a blessing, um, which is just sort of a stall time. Where everyone wants to eat, but someone wants to do this religious thing first. Um, but the word grace is actually a really scandalous word. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about the scandal of, of grace um, this morning and what it might mean for you guys as a newer church in this city, uh, this really beautiful city um, that is, it's beautiful in, in all kinds of ways. I love The racial diversity, the architecture, everything about the city is so beautiful in one regard. But on the other hand, it's a really broken city, right? And you guys know that. Um, You know, the the addiction problems that you guys are facing, uh, we are very, very familiar with that. My brother was a heroin addict for the last last 20 years, and... um, my um, other people, in my family, are drug addicts as well. Um, we uh, work a lot with addicts. Sometimes I go to three overdoses a day, um, and so that kind of thing we identify with a lot. We understand that. Um, we don't have you guys beat when it comes to stabbing, um, although I, I, I understand that you've lost first place in that, which I feel like is, is a win. Um, but um, but as beautiful as this place is, you guys are well aware of a lot of the brokenness um, and uh, the grace of God. Um, that you celebrate, that you've named your church after, is meant to impact that brokenness. It's meant to impact that sadness. It's meant to bring beauty where there's currently ashes. Um, That's what the grace of God does. And so um, uh, the grace of God, which I I know that Ian, you know, preaches the gospel week after week. And so you would have heard this if you've been here before. If you're new, really glad you're here. And I hope that today, like, first of all, if you're new, if you're not a Christian, you're just checking this whole thing out took a lot of courage for you to come here if i make awkward eye contact with you it is because i am awkward all right i don't have a a a, a bunch of people like pictures i'm supposed to stare at intently i'm just weird and jet lagged so um but i'm glad you're here if you're newer to christianity checking it out because i think what you'll hear about today will help you really understand why so many of us um despite all the challenges why so many of us um, just think this, there's nothing on planet Earth like the, the gospel of Jesus. Um, now, the gospel, uh, it, does, it does kind of two, two major things. Um, the first thing it does is it, it reconciles, which means it heals. Uh, it heals this broken relationship, this vertical one, between a sinful people and a holy God. Um, and so I, I know that you will have heard that a lot if you've been here. If not, stick around, you'll hear it week after week. I'm gonna kind of jump in on the assumption that a lot of you already know that that the the basis of the gospel is that God came down to sinful man and Jesus you know, allowed Himself to be punished in our place, take on our sin, so that we could be reconciled, so that the relationship that was broken between a sinful people and a holy God could be healed. This impassable chasm that sin had created, where where a holy God and a perfect Father who loved us was way over there, and we as sinful people were way over here. How are we ever gonna? How are the two ever gonna meet? Man, it's, we're going to meet not because of a, a stairway up to heaven, but because of the son who came down from heaven and he made a way where there was no way. That's this first aspect of the gospel. It does this vertical healing thing, but, but it doesn't just stop there. The gospel then does this horizontal reconciliation. Where not just be, Because people have been reconciled to a holy God, because that broken, the most broken relationship, the most impossible relationship, has been healed. Now, now because of that very healing, now we get to be reconciled one to another, and we find ourselves being reconciled to a whole bunch of people who otherwise we wouldn't be reconciled to. And so that's what we're going to look at uh, today. How how has Jesus done this? How has he impacted um, our horizontal relationships as we think about this beautiful but broken city that God has put you in? So let me read a passage in Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 22. Am I talking too fast? Everybody good? I've had caffeine. I'm ready. All right. For he himself, Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made us um, both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Ephesians 2. He has broken down this this dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of, of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. This is what Jesus has done. He, he's, he's killed hostility, and he has in himself, he's made one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So there was hostility, but because of Jesus, now we've been unified. There's been, peace has been brought where there was hostility. And that he might reconcile us both to God in, in one body through the cross. We're going to explain all this. So just listen. Don't, don't If you get lost, it's okay. Thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far off. And peace to those who were near. Through him, both we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, the whole church, the whole body being built together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place. For God by the Spirit. Okay, so we're going to get into all the context and help you try to understand some of this. I think sometimes when we think about the early church, we imagine it with a bit of nostalgia. We imagine that, man, it must have been really great back then, must have been really simple back then, must have been really easy back then. Um, But actually, what we find is that the early church in the beginning was full of hostility people towards one another, right? There's just tons of it. And and you'll read, if you kind of read through the Bible, you read all these letters that were written to different churches. And a lot of those letters were addressing how to treat each other because they weren't treating each other right. There was a lot of hostility. Um, And this church in the city called Ephesus, which is kind of like Glasgow in a lot of ways, it's a major city, it would be a major place where people would go in and out of, and they would go there for education, they'd go there for, for fashion, they'd go there for, for shopping, they'd go there for whatever it would be. This this major center where this church had started, this church would have been full of people who typically would, have, would be people who hated each other. And so when you see words like peace, hostility, dividing wall, I mean, these are words that we typically associate with, with, with really brutal wars. Things like, you know, uh, the Berlin Wall. We, we think of things like that. We think of like these just, just epic sort of uh, wars. And, and this is the kind of words that, that Paul's using to describe what's happening in this church. The church would have made, been made up of people who otherwise would have hated each other. And I want us just to kind of think about that and kind of, you know, um, think about the longstanding history of hostility and brutality that the people in that room would have had towards one another. And then think about Glasgow. And think if you're going to be a church called Glasgow Grace, like in time, what will that mean for you? What what kinds of people will be in the room if you're going to be living out horizontal reconciliation in this city? and, and, And your church is going to be made up of people who otherwise would have hated each other. What's that going to mean and look like for you? This is um this is what made the church unique. It's one of the main reasons Paul says this is something new. And the word he uses here for new is, is not like fresh off the line, latest version of the new Volkswagen car. It's it's It's, Kinos. it's, this, it's this new, it's, it's the first one anyone's ever seen. No one's ever seen anything like it. No one's ever heard of anything like it. There's never been anything done like it. So when people would come into this church, they'd wander in and they'd go, what is going on? Like, it, it never dawned on them that these kinds of people could be in this kind of room together. Okay. So, that, so, that, so that, that's what, it was. there was hostility, but then there was just something new that was happening. Um, there were all kinds of reasons for them to be hostile towards one another, all of your kind of normal reasons that Paul gets into in Ephesians. But then there were like some really um, specific things, like there was this uh, classism issue that they were dealing with between slaves and masters, the haves and the have-nots. And then there was this racial hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so in addition to all the normal reasons why we would, like, have a problem with each other, there was this kind of hectic social constructs that, that made it um, a very unique room to be in. In the same room were slaves and masters. In the same room were Jews and Gentiles. That's what um, made this church really unique. And there was, this was longstanding hostility. Um, you know, between the Jews and the Gentiles, they're, they're used to— in that time there was a, um, a sign at the Jewish temple— uh, Gentiles were only allowed to go into the outer court, and there was a sign before you came into the inner court that, would, that said, "This any Gentile who passes through this gate only has himself to blame for his immediate death." That would be um, that's that's pretty hostile. We can we can agree with that, right? Hey, you guys, you stay over there, and if you cross that line, you only have yourself to blame. Uh, that was like their church building. <laughs> that's that's hectic. So that that was long-standing hostility. Um, and now they're, in this, they're thrown into the same room together. Actually, there's no more wall. Boom, come on in, have a seat. We're all together. So um, they, they had this hostility, but there was something God was doing. Um, now, that was them. We're modern people. We're so tolerant. We're so great. We don't have any of these problems. Not true. Um, people still today, thousands of years later, with all of our talk of tolerance, we still have um, hostility towards people who aren't like us. Um, yeah, that, that stuff hasn't changed. Um, we divide over silly stuff, um, and we divide over not-so-silly stuff. Um, you know, there are divides in church around styles of music, styles of dress, styles of preaching, and then there are divides around things like race, class. We want a church for our people, and they can have a church for their people. Where I live, this will shock you. But just, I'm going to say a few things that I'm going to to try to push on you a little bit, so I might as well push on me a little bit. Where I live, um, it is very common for there to be white church, black church. Everybody likes that. We hate that. (laughs) But the culture seems okay with it. And it's taken over 10 years of beating that thing with a stick every single Sunday to see it begin to change. So how does this work out in Glasgow? So I've tried to learn about your city and tried to ask tons of questions and just try. I mean, I, I I've only been here a couple of days. I'm American, which I, I know makes you automatically think I'm coming and saying I know everything. I apologize for that. I really, I do, and I want to come in with as much humility as I can. I'm just submitting to you what I think. What I think based on what I'm hearing and seeing. A lot of it's just been like just you know, nailing um, Ian and Lindsay with tons of questions. But uh, one of the things that came up sort of in our reading and listening and looking things up about the city is this, is this group of people who can be um, unhelpfully referred to as Neds, right? So, um, now look, I, I'm telling you, we have some messed up, jacked up, screwed up issues in America. I mean, we're in an all time low. A lot of, on a lot of fronts, okay? So um, I, just, I just submit to you that, right? That said, now we're here in Glasgow and we're talking about this. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys are going to be a church for this city, um, a church that says we want the grace of God to be what we name ourselves after. If you as a church can't find a way to overcome that kind of prejudice, hostility, unw- and unwillingness to do life with people who are different to you, There's just no way forward. No way to be called grace, Glasgow, and and, and not find a way forward there somehow, eventually. There's this evil still now, almost 2020, the evil that lurks below the surface, down deep in our hearts, where we just can't help ourselves but look down on people different to us. And the grace of God yanks us up from that and says, no, no. So, what does God want us to do about it? Should we, maybe you guys should get your money together and start yourself a, a, a Ned church, you know, and, and you guys can have a, a church over here and they can have a church over there. That's actually not the solution. Um, actually, what we see in this passage is the opposite of that. Paul sets out to remind these, these believers, these new Christians, of, 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 of why they are exactly the same. When the whole world's going no you're different you're different you're a slave you're a master you're a jew you're a gentile paul's like i'm going to give you five reasons to show you why you're actually all the same and so that's what i want to put forward to you and i i kind of mentioned that group of people not trying to be unnecessarily offensive but just to hold them out as as as, as as an example for you as a church okay what what would it look like for us to do that well okay um so just think about that as we kind of go through these things he mentions. The, the first thing he says uh, that makes us the same, he says we, and, and you can kind of go and look this up in Ephesians 2, 14 through 17. We read it, but we share the same depravity. We all have the same problem. We all have the same, and that's our sin made us enemies of God. We, we like, there was hostility between a holy God and us. Now, we might struggle with different sins. We might worship different idols, But at the end of the day, we still have sin. We still still have hostility between us and God, right? And so brokenness might work itself out in different ways. Some ways are more socially acceptable in certain cultures than others. But at the end of the day, that brokenness is still the same. At the end of the day, we're all still broken, screwed up, jacked up people. Some of us have a better education, live in a better home, buy nicer cheese, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, we're all screwed up. One uh, group of people in this church would have prided themselves in their ability to keep the law and keep the rules. But the reason that that, that, that they were broken is because they thought by keeping the rules they would somehow please a holy God. A God who said you could never keep the rules enough to earn my love. The other guys prided themselves in breaking all the rules. You have the robots. You have the rebels. Both of them equally far from God. And so... Until you and I stop minimizing our own sin and magnifying the sin in others. Until we stop doing that and realize we're actually both equally broken. That no one in this city needs Jesus more than you. That no one needs, this, no one needs Jesus in this city more than me. Until that gospel gets down in there. We won't really understand this. We'll, we'll never really live this out. So we have the same level of brokenness. Now, I I want to propose to you that might be enough to get us in the same room together. That feels like an AA meeting. Do you guys have AA over here? Uh, Yeah, that feels like an AA meeting. It's like enough to get you in the room together. You know, hi, I'm Donnie. I'm a sinner. Hi, I'm Ian. I'm a sinner. Like, that would get us in the same room together, but it wouldn't be enough to keep us together, right? And it wouldn't be enough to grow us together. And so we see it goes on from that. We don't just have the same problem, the same depravity. Paul goes on to say we actually have the same amazing Savior, the same God. The same brokenness on both sides is dealt with by the same amazing God. Through him, we both have access, verse 18 said, to one spirit in the Father. Through Jesus, we get access to the Father and the Spirit. All of us. We all have the same Jesus. In Mark 2, Jesus says, the doctor has come for the sick. He doesn't say, and you know, there's two different kinds of doctors. There's one for these guys and one for these guys. Let's see your insurance. Where do you live? What neighborhood are you in? No, the doctor has come for the sick. In Luke 19, he says, the, I've come to seek and save the lost. He doesn't say, I'm here to save certain kinds of lost. Let's see, what did you make last year? Where'd you go to school? Okay, I'm for you. There's someone else coming for you a lot. No, he, he, he's the same Savior. In John 14, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He doesn't say, Hey, I'm the way for these guys, and there's another guy coming for these guys. No, it, it's all the same. We have the same Savior. So we have the same problem, we have the same Savior. So, so the next thing we see is that we're not just sort of to be treated as individuals who go, yeah, we all got the same problem. Yeah, we all have the same Savior. Actually, this unites us together. The next thing that he gets into is he says that we're, we're now because of that. We're called to live like we're part of the same nation. Like God has made us to be citizens. We're no longer strangers and aliens. We're now been brought together and we've been unified. So so, so this means that there's not just going to be random Christians floating around that actually God pulls all of us together, that all of us were actually strangers and aliens, but God's pulled us together, different national backgrounds the Jews and the Gentiles had. But because of what Jesus has done, we're now brought together. Let me just pause on this. This is interesting, because I think sometimes what we think. I'll tell you sometimes what I think is, you know, how my race needs to get other races to join our church. That's actually not how it works. All of us, were aliens and strangers. So this isn't about you guys getting these other kinds of people to join your church. This is about you guys and those guys and those guys and those guys and those guys all joining Jesus's church. That's different. You're not an owner, you know, they're not an owner, I'm not an owner, he's the owner. He brings us into his church. And this citizenship becomes the most important part about us. Nationality is no longer the, the most important part of our identity. Eth- you know, all these things that we would have leaned on and put stock in, those things are no longer the most important things about us now. Who he is and what he's done has become the most important part about us. And, and one way to, to prove this right is to, flip your Bible over to Revelation and to see this glimpse we get of what it will look like one day, and there is no segregation there. So, so any of this mess that we're doing now doesn't exist there. And Jesus actually says that we're to pray and work now like we want the, like the kingdom of heaven to come down and be on earth. We want, we want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So how is it in heaven? Well, in heaven, there's not going to be this kind of separation that you're seeing in the city. So then you here, Grace Glasgow, get to go, Great, we want to show Glasgow what heaven looks like. We don't want to be a little slightly nicer version of Glasgow. We want to show Glasgow what does heaven look like. Well, then you have to, you have to break down these walls because in heaven they don't exist. We don't just get along for a social uh, cause though, that's popular today. Um, It moves past that. We see um, we're, we're not just meant to be part of the same nation. We're meant to be members of the same household, he says in verse 19. Which means that we're not just a bunch of people who get together to show Glasgow what it's like. No, we actually are, we're family now. We're brothers and sisters. The same blood runs through our veins. John 13, Jesus says, a new commandment, um, which is not Greek for suggestion, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. So there's this vertical love. He says, because of that vertical love, now there's going to be a horizontal love. You're to love one another. And then he says in verse 35, he says, and it's by this all people will know that you're my disciples when they walk in the room they go wait a second you guys love each other but you're this and you're that yeah we love each other what like that 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 is that is the scandal of the gospel and if you're going to call yourself grace like that scandal has got to be put on display on a regular basis that's what you should want anyone who's been vertically reconciled to god now we get to like be reconciled to them horizontally Just a couple more. He, um, he goes on and seems to, to point to the fact that we worship at the same temple. In verses 20 through 22. We grow into this holy temple in the Lord, built together, together for, as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Um, we, we talked about this just a moment earlier, but... This, this was what was new. It wasn't just that they believed these things independently. It was that they did them together. And Paul said it was, it was new. So just imagine for Glasgow. And you know this city so much better than, I mean, I, I literally just got here. But just so you can imagine it way better than me is what I'm saying. You can really get in there and imagine this. Imagine that you, something happened here that was so marked by grace that's a visitor comes in, and this is what they experience. There, there should, they, they think, "Gosh, there should be a whole lot of tension here. Where's all the hostility? Where's all the fear? Why are you guys together?" There's no tension, but then they, they go and they find that it's not just that there's no tension. Like there's this van- like vanilla thing. You've you've actually put aside preferences and, and prejudices. And you're showing mercy and you're loving and in that context people are their lives are being changed they're not just getting along they're actually their lives are being changed and together you're not just sort of okay we're, we're, we're together when we're doing this thing because it's popular and it's cool no together you're becoming more like jesus all of you together like to and you're helping each other and actually that, you see, that man, that person, they really helped me see that. I would have never seen that if I didn't know them. And because of that, I see something in me that needs to change. And all of us together, we, we're all changing. And then there's some slaves over there, but sitting next to them is their master. And they both have their hands up in the air, and they're both worship, worshiping Jesus. And how's, how does that work? And then there's some Jews and Gentiles, and they're taking communion together. And how does that work? And I mean, that's what a first-time visitor should experience. When they come to a place called grace, it should, it should be shocking. It should be scandalous, because that's what grace is. There's a restaurant um, in Los Angeles called Felipe's French Dip. Have you, anyone ever heard of the French Dip Sandwich? Probably not. It's, it's a weird story. I don't think it's true. It's some guy named French dropped his bread in some juice. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's not what's important. Well, it's, it's what got me there. I'll, I'll give you that. I was curious. But what you know, you get there, this is a really famous place in Los Angeles, and you get there and it's like this dirty old school, this huge old school cafeteria. So right away you're like, hmm, this is a bad decision. It's in a bad neighborhood. The whole thing feels sketchy. Um, but you get in there and there's like hundreds of people in like about five different lines. And um the lines actually trace up the stairs of this old cafeteria. So that's where I was in the back of this line, up the stairs. And I was looking out at the room, and there's hundreds of people all in like different, in, in, in lines. And then it started to dawn on me, all these people are radically different, but they're all like mixed into these lines. So you have like movie stars, homeless people, businessmen, prostitutes. Um, I mean, everybody, rich, poor, all of them together. I mean, fancy suits, homeless guy, like in the line together. And they're all, they're all going to the same place, right? They get to the same counter. And when you get up there, it's not like, oh, you would like the, the, the special bread and the special... Now they're all getting the same sandwich, the exact same sandwich. Oh, you, you know, we're gonna give you a discount. No, 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 they're all paying the same amount. This guy's, he's found a way to bum this much money. This guy's got tons of money. They're all in line to get the same sandwich. They're on the same line to get the same sandwich. There's no reason for those guys to be in that room together except for that sandwich. But that sandwich is so good, it put all of them in the same line in the same room for the same sandwich. This is going somewhere, I promise. (laughs) First Corinthians 10, verse 17, because there's one bread. Because there's just one bread, there's just no other bread. He's the only bread. Because there's one bread. We who are many, let's acknowledge it, we're many. Yeah, but we're one body. Because we all partake of this one bread. The only reason we're in line together is because of him. But he's so good that he gets us in line together. And, and, and we find ourselves putting aside all the reasons why we shouldn't be in line together because he's so good. Anyone who would be reconciled to God can be reconciled to us. Galatians 3 In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. This would have been a scandalous thing for Jews to hear. For thousands of years, they had held on to they were God's people. It's a scandalous thing for people of privilege to hear. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. And and the people reading this would have been like, no, there clearly is, Paul, there clearly is. There's neither male nor female, but there clearly is, Paul, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, if you belong to him, then he says you are Abraham's offspring, which is like as good as it gets. All of you, you're heirs according to the same promise. I just want to end with this. This is such a big deal that it can't just be optional for you. It must become mandatory it can't just be something that, well, if it happens, I guess we'll be okay with it. I wanna just end by saying, I think this should be your reason for living in this city. You can't just be passively open to it. Paul goes into Ephesians three and says, for this very reason, he, he, he starts saying, this is now the reason for, how, this is what I do with my life. And for Paul, it meant a lot of problems. this has been a pretty cushy trip for me so far i'm gonna eat some fish and chips and some scottish stuff (laughs) i mean i don't expect i'm gonna get like stoned and and beaten and imprisoned and ultimately killed but that's what happened to him and he said yeah it's all right this is what's driving my life and he says in verse six that the mystery the, the, the Gentiles, the, the, the mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, m- members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul says, this has become my very reason for a living. I live to see the Gentiles know that they are part of this. So what is it like for grace to get a hold of you guys? Well, it doesn't just vertically reconcile you. It doesn't just make your your marriages or your relationships or your whatever, a little better. No, it it should explode outward into horizontal reconciliation across the city where Glasgow doesn't just see something that's a little bit nicer. They see something that doesn't fit on planet Earth that puts heaven on display right here in the city. As we look to respond, I want to call you to not think about what you can do differently. Like, oh, if we change the bread, if we change it, that's, that's all great conversations. That there's a place for that. But the first thing to do is think about your own heart. Not thinking, oh, I hope so-and-so hears this. Ooh, we gotta make sure, make sure so-and-so listen to this, they weren't here today. Think about yourself. So easy to do that stuff, right? Man, think about your own heart. In verse 20, just quickly, Paul says, that all of this is built on the foundation the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now what the cornerstone was, was the first stone that was laid. And they put this stone down and then they would measure every other stone back to that stone, right? And so this gets at our heart. Like when Jesus really is the cornerstone for your, for your heart, not morality, not some religious box you check, like when Jesus, like what he's done for you, you were an enemy of God, you were bound for hell, nothing you could do in all your rule keeping, no amount of of checking of religious boxes, nothing would have earned his love for you. He did it out of total grace, scandalous, unmerited grace and favor. When that gets in the heart and then you start pulling a line off that stone and measuring everything else against it. Oop, that's out of line. Oop, that's out of line. When he's the cornerstone, you start measuring everything else off of it. And so if you've got a stone that's out of place in the way that you think about other people, the way you think about the kinds of people who you'd be happy to do church with, that kind of stuff, you gotta go back to that cornerstone. You gotta pull that line again and go, ooh, yeah, I'm out here. But you gotta start back in your heart and go, Jesus, actually adjust it here. So I'm gonna have Ian come up and walk us through that. But man, I just wanna tell you guys, I've got so much faith for you. God is clearly with you. He's put you all here, and maybe you're thinking, gosh, I'm just a student. Well, yeah, but you're right here right now. God wants you right here right now in this church, and I'm trusting. We think, and you're part of a family of churches around the world who all, we know all about you, and we're just, we together think that God wants to do something amazing and scandalous and beautiful in Glasgow because you're here, but it's going to mean some pretty big stuff for you, stuff like we've talked about today, okay? I think we should respond in two ways.